Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam, and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome into the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. You know that. You listen to this podcast. If you're new, welcome. If you're one of our old hands, thank you for tuning back in. Verderam is going to a card trade show today, I believe. Taking a vacation today. Out there trying to make money. I know everybody's hustling these days. Everybody's hustling with the, everyone's in the stock market now. People are selling their old basketball cards. Uh, unfortunately, all I have, I had my dad send me like the old cards that were down in the basement that I had. I grew up in the, really in the late 80s and early 90s. And I think that there was like a baseball card boom. At some point, you know, like when the Beanie Babies, everybody was buying Beanie Babies and collecting things, all that stuff was happening. And so they weren't making a lot of rare cards. They were just making as many cards as possible. And those are all the ones that I have. I do have some pretty cool football cards, but I don't think I want to give those up. Um, and they're not really worth that much anyway. We have a really nice foil-wrapped Barry Sanders card that people are selling for, you know, like $8 on eBay. And I'm like, what do I, why should I sell this for $8? Like, it's not worth $8 for the trouble it's going to take me um, to get that done. So all right, let's dive in here a little bit. So there's some breaking-ish news going on right now in the Chiefs kingdom. Uh, Nate Taylor from The Athletic, who we're going to mention a little bit later in this podcast, tweeted out, as you know, training camp has begun 10 minutes ago. So I'm recording this at 10.14 a.m. Central Time on Thursday. Travis Kelsey is leaving the field. I couldn't tell what the issue was. And then he followed up. Uh, Travis Kelsey walked off the field on his own. So I'll keep an eye on that as I'm recording this podcast and see if any more information comes out. But I got to say, you know, I feel like I'm glad I'm glad our fellow media members are there and they're they're trying to let us know what they're seeing at training camp. But like, I almost kind of wish they weren't allowed to go to training camp. Some of the information is really useful, like who's starting on the offensive line, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But 
my God, do they scare the crap out of me every summer. Yesterday, I tweeted out like a little prayer circle with the candles on Twitter with like, and just put like ACLs and, and, uh, Achilles tendons like in the middle because this is that time of year where you just, it happens every year to every team or not every team, but a lot of teams where you'll hear a guy got hurt, got injured, blew out his ACL in training camp and that's it or his Achilles and the season is over. And I don't want to bring any bad juju on the Chiefs. And I'm sure that Travis Kelsey is fine, but this is a time to worry about these sorts of things because guys are just, I don't know, it seems like it happens a little less as the season goes on. Um, I don't know if it's because people are stretched out a little bit more. They've been competing uh, over a number of weeks, but it does seem like early on, I'm always holding my breath in training camp that nobody suffers a catastrophic injury, especially a guy like Travis Kelsey, who is integral to the Chiefs winning another Super Bowl. It sounds like he walked off on his own, so he's probably okay. But I got to tell you, man, these these reports, and it happens, like I said, every summer, there's always a report. Somebody will tweet out here in a, in a week or so, you know, something like, uh, so-and-so is getting carted off the field. And they tweet that, and everybody freaks out. And what I've learned over the years, sometimes it's bad, of course, but what I've learned over the years is that oftentimes – they are just like dehydrated or they tweak something and they need to go get checked out. And like they're at training camp and it's hot. And so like they just, they use the cart, like they just hop on the cart so they don't have to walk over there. They're tired. They're like getting some water and stuff. So that happens a lot. So don't freak out if you see that. Um, you will, you will freak out because you're a Chiefs fan and you're scared. But, um, oftentimes it's, it's not as bad as it sounds. Uh, when they cart them off the field during a game, that's sometimes a different story, but training camp, uh, don't, don't worry. Um, Nate Taylor also just tweeted out midway through day two of chiefs camp. Noah Gray is still, is still the majestic white horse on a sandy beach. Just need to see it in pads in the preseason. So that's, you know, that's the stuff I like to hear from training camp, right? That, excuse me, that a guy's looking really good, playing really well, and that gets me excited to watch some of these preseason games. All right, we're going to get into our main discussion here. But first, I got to do it. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, uh, do we have a problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff because they've got their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Uh, this thing is great. Um, you know how big of supporters of Manscaped we are on this podcast. We love the ball cream, the, 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 the ball deodorant, basically the weed whacker, keep the uh, nose hair and ear hair under control. Um, if you want to support the show, we've got a deal for you. You get 20% off and free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided20, manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, let's get into the main discussion here. And it's training camp, right? So as you can see, the, the news out of camp is coming fast and furious. If you want to keep up on everything, obviously you need to be reading Arrowhead Attic. Keep an eye on the Twitter feeds, though. Follow me, follow Vertoram, follow all the people that are there on the ground. We'll definitely be talking about what is happening out there on the field. Um, the Hall of Fame game, you guys, is in eight days. Steelers, Cowboys will square off in Canton. You can bet that I'll be tuning in with a beer to watch that because even terrible preseason football is still better 
than no football at all. So with training camp underway, there are a few storylines already developing. The first one, and this was a story of the offseason, really, is the offensive line. So one question that I think we had going into the last few weeks was, will Andy Reid start two rookies along the offensive line? Well, we still don't know definitively uh, the answer to that question, but here's how the team's been lining up. Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Mike Remmers over at right tackle. So look, we're super early in camp. There are a lot of reps and exhibition games to come. Still, it is telling that Humphrey and Smith were in there. And remember, the Chiefs do have Dr. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif back. He sat out last season to fight COVID. Now, Andy Reid uh, could have slotted LDT back in the starting right guard spot while he continued to evaluate the rookie Smith. But after practice, Big Red told the media that he had seen enough to give Smith the early first team reps. Reid said it was consistency. He had done a nice job. Now that it's one hundred, now it's not not that it's one hundred percent perfect, young guy, but he showed enough to legitimately be in that position for right now. And then he's got to compete. So we'll see how all that goes when we get pads on. I think Andy Reid is is this is a smart move to be honest. Like I had expected him to kick things off with the veteran guys. Like we all know, Andy's a players coach. And so I thought he might ease some of the young guys in and, you know, like it makes the veteran guys feel like they have a chance to hang on to their starting roles or whatever. But in this situation, I get it. If Andy really believes that the best line combo for the for the Kansas City Chiefs is going to be to have Humphrey and Smith next to each other when the season opens, why waste time? You know, it's crucial that these guys get the snaps as, as many snaps as possible so that they feel comfortable when the games count. As for LDT, look, he's he was gone for really good reason last season, right? He's a hero. He's awesome. But he was gone. So it's not like he's having his job taken away. I mean, I'm glad he's back, and he provides gr- a great depth option for, for the guard spots. But Smith, as long as he's healthy, appears to be the future at that position. And the same goes for Humphrey at center. So that brings us to right tackle. So I did see some grumblings about Remmers on Twitter yesterday, and I understand it. Like our last memory of Remmers, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, is not a good one. Still, it's important to remember that he played solid ball at right tackle for the Chiefs last year. Like, could they use an upgrade? Yeah, sure. But Remmers should perform just fine, especially considering that he gets to work with the rest of this line. If the Chiefs can leave. Orlando Brown on an island on the left side, which means that, you know, if there are situations where Remmers is overmatched and he can drop ways to help him with tight ends, running backs, chipping, motion, things like that, right? So it, I think it's also important that we don't forget about Lucas Nyang, who, you know, if you listen to this podcast, Verderam has said multiple times that the Chiefs were high on him and they thought he was like a second round guy. Um, there was even a point where Verderam, like when when they cut Eric Fisher, or it looked like Eric Fisher wasn't going to be back, where Verderam thought that Nyang could end up being the Chiefs' starting left tackle. So you know, because of an injury last season, Nyang basically is a is a redshirt redshirt rookie this year. I'm sure Andy feels a lot more confident in in Remmers right now in the moment, other than, rather than Yang, because this is right tackle; it's a crucial position. 
But that doesn't mean that that might not change. Like, I don't love the idea of having essentially three rookies starting on the right side of, of Kansas City's line. And I'm sure Andy doesn't either. But things can change. So as camp goes on, if Humphrey and Smith are looking really strong, and if Nyang is playing well, maybe he can earn some some looks with the first team. But I also wouldn't rule out the chance that Mitchell Schwartz could come back at some point. I'm, but I think that seems to be a long way off. So let's talk about Mitch for a second. So back in July, Nate Taylor, who, who we mentioned earlier, and he does great work for The Athletic, tweeted the following. Um, <clears throat> As the Chiefs enter camp, it's clear former right tackle Mitchell Schwartz will have plenty of influence on the revamped offensive line. Schwartz, a free agent after five seasons with the Chiefs, has helped rookie Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, and Kyle Long the past months. That's pretty awesome of Mitch, right? Like, the man's a free agent. He doesn't have to help these guys coming into town. He doesn't have to help the rookie. Um, but he's, he's just... Is he doing it because he's an awesome guy and he's loyal to Kansas City? Maybe. Uh, perhaps he's interested maybe in coaching after he's officially retired. I think that's possible as well. But Mitch was actually on 610 Sports Kansas City on the drive with our guy Carrington Harrison. And uh, he was on there the day before training camp opened, so a couple of days ago. And he said uh, he said he was still working through his injury and was rehabbing every day. Uh, I listened to most of the interview. I think you should definitely check it out. It's posted on the 610 website. And he mentioned that while there aren't specific things, they asked him, like, are there specific things holding back your rehab? And he was like, well, no, not really. But he did mention discs and nerves and how they kind of have a mind of their own. Um, and you, you just there's, like, no predicting, like, exactly how they're going to heal and when, uh, when you have that kind of pain. And we, we all know how serious back injuries can be. And so it's good that Mitch is taking his time to get fully healed before considering trying to get back on the field. And it sounds like right now, based on that interview, that he's having daily pain. And until that goes away, there isn't much sense sort of trying to evaluate the football aspect. Like they asked him, you know, like, are you hearing from agents or hearing from your agent or teams calling your agent? And you know, my take on the interview listening to it was, was based on some of the things that he said is that, um, you know, and the actions that he is, has taken to help some of the young offensive linemen is like, it seems like Mitch would like to come back to the NFL specifically with the Chiefs for one more run. But it's clear that at this point, you know, he's, he's still rehabbing and he, and he kept mentioning like from a pain standpoint, he, he just wanted to get back to a point where, he was pain-free every day. And, um, you know, then he could evaluate the football aspect of it. So, you know, if he's still feeling pain every day and, like, this is a quality of life thing for this guy, right? Like, he wants to be able to, you know, spend time with his family, play golf, do those types of things that you're going to do after you're retired. And, yeah, maybe he really wants to get back onto a football field, but... You know, that's sort of the le sounds like that that's kind of I don't want to say the least of his concerns because it seems like football is still very important to Mitch, which is why he's doing some of the things that he's doing um, and why he's helping people off the field. But it just sounds like right now in late July, uh, it's still late July. I feel like it's already August because we're in training camp that he just he can't help a team on the field right now. And so he's trying to help the Chiefs 
off the field, which, um, you know, that's, he's not on the payroll. Like, that's pretty awesome in my book. I hope Mitch gets to the point where he isn't experiencing daily pain. If he plays again for the Chiefs, whether that's a starting right tackle at the level he was or as a backup or, or comes in and helps with coaching, like anything like that, that's all gravy in my book. He seems like just a really awesome guy. He's a great player. And I, I just hope that he, you know, he gets to the point where he's not in pain, number one, and, and is able to do the things that he wants to do in life. And if that is returning to play football, well, that's going to be good for the Kansas City Chiefs because he's a great player. All right, we're going to take one more break. Uh, on the other side, we've got a reader review. I've got my first hater, y'all. Got my first hater. Well, not my first hater. It, it, definitely lots of haters in life. But my first hater in the reviews of the podcast. Feels good. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll read that review and um, uh, we'll do a little AFC contenders and pretenders. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen here. So we got reader reviews. You know, we always say, if you hook us up, you head on over. And you guys are awesome at this, by the way. We really appreciate you. If you head on over to Apple Reviews and you leave this podcast uh, a review, preferably five stars, but you do you, um, or ask us a question, we'll read it on the podcast. So look, man, make a promise. We keep it. Got a review here. It mentions me. It's not very nice. We did get two stars, which I at least appreciate that we didn't get the... uh, Think get the old one star review um, helps the average a little bit. This one comes from Captain Carson, New York. Came on the the twenty fifth of July, and he said, "Utter disappointment." Jeez, man! If you don't have anything nice to say, right? Um, Chiefs podcast that veers off the Chiefs too much. Patrick Allen is unlistenable. Sheesh, man. Uh, I don't know what to say. Look, Captain, if you're still listening, uh, you probably aren't because you said I'm unlistenable. So if you found out there was a Patrick Allen solo episode, I doubt you made it this far, uh, you know, 16 minutes or so into the podcast. But if you're still listening, give us a chance. Give me a chance. Try to win you over. Um, Yeah, we talk lots of Chiefs. We do talk about other things. We get into the serial rankings. We talk about life. I think uh, I think there's room for that. We're people. So we're, I think we're going to keep doing that. We do try to stay on task. We appreciate the feedback. Sorry that I'm unlistenable. Um, I don't know. Maybe my wife would agree with you once I get going. But um, uh, now I'll leave her out of this. Uh, thank you for leaving us the review. We appreciate the engagement. Appreciate you giving the podcast a chance. All the rest of y'all out there, if you want to defend my honor, Head on over to Apple Podcast. Leave a leave us a review. Tell us how much you love the podcast. That's uh, that's going to help us reach more people out there and help us keep bringing you what we hope is enjoyable content and giving you your Chiefs fix. You know, I hate this time of year because like it is just the worst. You know, like tr- you got to find the storylines to talk about, right? Sometimes they're there. Sometimes you got to dig them up a little bit. Um, but just as a fan, and that's that's what we are here at Fan Sided and at Arrowhead Attic. We're all fans. We love the Chiefs. Oh God, like late July, like right when, like when training camp's starting and you know, you can see it, right? Like you can see the fall. It's just a few weeks away. There are going to be games being played, you know, weather's going to start getting a little bit cooler. I love fall. I'm a big fan of fall, you know, firing up the smoker. It's a little more pleasant to sit outside, have a campfire, have those sorts of things, watch sports on your porch, like all that stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. 
It's my absolute favorite time of year. Leads right into the holidays. Big Christmas guy. I love Christmas. So is Verderam. His family's like nuts about uh, Christmas Eve and stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's it's getting into a really great time of year. I know some people love the summer, but for me, late summer is just sort of like agonizing. The days crawl by a little bit, especially like the first couple of weeks of August. But I'm starting to get excited. I love playing fantasy football. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about uh, all the good uh, tailgating and, and what games I want to go to and all that stuff. So hopefully I'll be able to see some of you out there in Kansas City. Uh, and hopefully this podcast helps you get through some of these um, dog days of summer before we all get back to doing what we like to do, which is watching the Kansas City Chiefs kick some ass. All right. AFC contenders and pretenders. We haven't done this in a while, but we're getting to the point now where uh, the season's starting and everyone's start. We're getting we're getting close. We're inching our way to prediction season, and we'll have our predictions coming up soon. Uh, we got to get through some of these preseason games first and see what's what. So AFC contenders and pretenders. If you don't know this segment, pretty simple. It's right there in the name. We name a team, and then we discuss whether or not we think they're a contender or a pretender. So we're gonna hit it. And we're going to start with everybody's favorite preseason darling, the the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, and I got to be honest with you, I'm going to go with contenders here, and I'll tell you why. Look, I know, and first, look, I know that it gets annoying because it seems like every preseason that the Chargers are the team to keep an eye on, and that's what everybody's saying, all the experts and, and the pundits and so on and so forth. Um, but look, there's a reason why people keep saying that, right? The Chargers do have a lot of talent on their roster. Unfortunately, they've been hampered by injuries and poor coaching and less than stellar quarterback play. Well, look, they've got a new coach this season and Brandon Staley, he's a young guy, first time head coach. We don't know how that's going to work out. So we just kind of have to wait and see on the coaching front. Now, as for the quarterback play, look, we all know Justin Herbert looked very good last season. We talked about it on this podcast a lot. He showed incredible poise for a first-year player, and I thought I was particularly impressed with his ability to stand in the pocket and deliver accurate passes under pressure, which, I mean, that's a huge part of success in the NFL, right? Like, all these guys are good quarterbacks. They can all throw the ball. They're all pretty accurate, but it's just a totally different story when you've got that pressure, that NFL pressure Coming at you, you've got these defensive coordinators really mixing things up, trying to confuse you. <clears throat> you've got these really talented and athletic guys in the secondary trying to pick you off. And they just, they try to put you on the clock, right? They try to limit the amount of time you have to make decisions. And if you don't have a good football IQ or you panic, and we see that, and that's what problem, the problem that happens with most of these young guys is they just, they get to the NFL and the game is so much faster than college. and Everybody's so good. They just, they've reached their, their skill limit and they can't process things fast enough to make good decisions consistently with the pressure that the NFL brings. That's one of the reasons why guys like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are so great because they're, you know, there's, they're, 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 you couldn't have two different guys as far as like physical talents go, right? But upstairs, both of those guys, are just processing you. Andy Reid would always talk about Alex Smith and his gigabytes. Um, they process things so quickly that they know where to go with the ball. They know what to do. There's just this innate thing, and they're able to do it. And not everyone is able to to pull it off. So when you combine the physical attributes with the mental attributes, and you get a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who's a generational talent, 
Well, Justin Herbert, he comes along last year, throws over 30 touchdowns. He looks really good. He looks like he has some of those intangible things, keeping his eyes downfield, being able to handle the pressure and making the right decisions with the football that I think, obviously, it's quarterback, right? That's the most important thing. It's going to set up a team for success. And I think that the Chargers have their guy. Um, We'll see. Could he regress? Could he have a a sophomore slump? Uh, Yes, that that happens, right? Sometimes guys take a step back. Um, But we'll see. And then the other thing is, right, the injuries for the Chargers. So I think the big thing, they've, they've suffered a lot of them, but the one that always stands out to me is, is is Derwin James, and he's back and healthy this year so far. We'll see how he comes back from his injuries. He had a fractured foot in 2019, <clears throat> excuse me, and then came back later in the season. And then he had a torn meniscus in 2020 and then was on the COVID list, took him out. But he's 24. So if he can hold up and stay on the field, he's a, he's an impact player for this Chargers defense. When I look at the Chargers, like I said, I think it comes down to, I think it's going to come down to coaching, assuming that their top guys can stay healthy. And I think when I think about them, I look at the Cleveland Browns from the last couple of years. So a couple of years ago, right? And and we could see this with Herbert as well. Baker Mayfield comes out. He, He has a really good season once he gets in there as a rookie. They hire Freddie Kitchens, who was, was working with them on the, on the offensive side. And Freddie is just not a good coach. Baker regresses, has a sophomore slump, combination of things, right? And they just couldn't consistently compete with Freddie Kitchens as their coach. But they had a talented roster. And everybody had predicted because Baker looked so good his first year, oh, well, the Browns are going to be, you know, they're going to be in the playoff hunt. Well, it didn't happen for them. Fast forward to 2020, they bring in Kevin Stefanski, and they won their first playoff game since the Civil War. Baker Mayfield still didn't look great, but he was better than he was the year before, improved as the year went on. He had the right coach to manage him. And when I look at Baker, I I watch a lot of the Browns games. I, I feel like he reminds me of a little bit of, of Alex Smith. I, I think he's a, he's got the capabilities to be a, a good quarterback, maybe not necessarily a great quarterback. We'll see. But with the right coach in the right system, he 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 can play well and and he can help a team manage a game and win and he's got that great running game and it looks like an improving defense for the chargers though right i think a bad coach can hamper even a good quarterback so herbert i think is better than baker mayfield right now i would take herbert over baker mayfield but if the coaching isn't good then we could see that sophomore slump for herbert this year and if that happens then it could delay the Chargers kind of returning to prominence. But I think they're a playoff team this year. I do. As long as Staley's a good coach and Herbert continues to, to progress. But if he takes a step back, right, it could just be another lost season for the Chargers. All right, everybody. I am going to get out of here. I will not be around next week. You're going you're gonna to have to take your chances with the Vertoram, uh heading to a, uh, a podcast conference. Uh, for Minute Media, our parent company. So I'm going to be doing that, but then I will be back the following week. Thank you for suffering through 25 minutes of solo talk. Uh, especially thank you to uh, the captain who probably didn't make it this far into the podcast because I am unlistenable. But if you want to, as, as I said earlier, if you want to defend my honor, you want to support the podcast, two things you can do. One, is support the podcast by supporting Manscaped. If you're interested in the products, don't buy anything you don't want. 
But if you're interested, head on over to manscaped.com. Use that code fansided20, get 20% off and free shipping. They're really great products. I subscribe to Manscaped and, and have some of their stuff. You don't have to subscribe. You can just buy the stuff. But I get the, uh, the ball deodorant sent to me. Anyway. Um, and then the second thing you can do is head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and ask us a question. Uh, I, I'll throw out a question for you I'd like to, to maybe answer when I get back. And that is, when you look at the Chiefs' schedule for this year, what game are you most worried about? Obviously, look, the Chiefs are probably not going to go 17-0, but they could win, realistically, 13, 14, 15 games, maybe even 16. But when you look at the schedule, like, which is the one that you're just like, oh, man, like, is it the... Is it going to the, the Chargers on a short week in, in, in December, I think it is? Is it Buffalo? Um, which which one are you the most concerned about that you feel like if the Chiefs were going to lose a game, they're going to lose one game on the schedule, which one is it? Let us know. Go on to Apple. If you left us a review already, you can just update it, answer that question. We'll read it on the podcast, and we'll, we'll make it a, a discussion point. All right, everybody. Matt, Connor, and Sterling Holmes will be back early next week with their version of this podcast. Vertoram will be back later next week without me, and I will see you the following week, and we're going to be in the camp. Preseason games are going to be starting. It's almost here, you guys. Get ready. It's time for the Chiefs to take it back. For uh, the absent Matt Vertoram, my name is Patrick Allen. Thank you so much for listening. As always, go Chiefs! credit card bill.